The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Out of structure. Let's do it. We have time to run Walsh. If it's first and ten, Walsh. Any down and distance, I don't care. The game is over, and the Chiefs' kingdom has firmly planted its flag on top of football's highest summit. And Chiefs' kingdom, get ready to welcome your champions. And welcome, Chiefs' kingdom, to another edition of the Out of Structure Podcast on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. Matt Stagner is always joined by RKJ who's been spending his Saturdays out at camp, and that'll continue. So we're going to pick his brain today, get lots of camp observations as a way to answer your questions, because we had a lot of great questions from Twitter, some actual fun ones for once. So we're going to to enjoy getting into some of these and having a good time with them. But uh, before we get started, Ron, how you doing? Stags, I'm good, man. I'm I'm feeling great. Uh, You know, breaking the seal, you know, of, of the season, right? Getting to training camp for the first time. I know... You know, I know I'm, I'm probably, you know, uh, speaking in everyone's, you know, what they want to, to happen to them. You know, I'm, maybe you're envious of me getting to go to camp. You know, if you can't go to camp, Stags, I know, you know, you haven't gotten to camp. But uh, it's 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 the best way. It's the best way to get, get football season started. I mean, it, it just I feel fully immersed into the football, you know, football season's here. It's August now. Whew. We're here, Stags. We're here. That's a lot of energy for a guy coming off a five-day Vegas hangover here. <laughs> I, I, I'm just at the end of it now. A couple weeks is, is, is what I needed. I'm at the end of it now, Stags. It's, Fair it's enough. Good. Well, there were some other Chiefs-related news, so let's just maybe give a, a quick 30-second rundown of all the things happening in Chiefs' kingdom, and then we'll get into your questions. So camp is underway. Obviously, pads just started, so that's when it really feels real and not just uh, flag football. Um, big news of the day yesterday was Orlando Brown Jr. Uh, reporting to camp. Uh, he'll be practicing on Tuesday, I believe, will be his first day of practice. He'll dive right in. I imagine they'll probably ease him in a little bit, but no acclimation period. He goes right into pads and, and shows up and goes right into pads. Yeah, no, I think that was his plan probably, right? I I had predicted, I think, on even on the pod saying that he's probably going to show up as soon as they're done at St. Joe, right? As soon as they report back to Kansas City where they don't have to stay in the dorms, all that. Well, I think he just wanted to wait for the pads maybe, you know. Why why mess around with these unpadded practices, his sitting out in that heat, you know, sweating for no reason. Why can't hit anybody, right? Maybe that was his thought process. I don't know if it was long enough to, to feel like they made their point and they can show up or if it really just was like, 
there's no point in me being here until we're actually hitting somebody. So now I can show ah, up. Yeah. Either way, Brown is in town, and it'll be uh, go time for the Chiefs' full offensive line. Now we can start paying attention to the right side instead of the left side when it comes to camp practices. Also, uh, newly signed Carlos Dunlap will be reporting to the team on Wednesday, practicing on Thursday, so you get a new look at the defensive line rotation when he shows up. Hopefully that's a, a good uh a good boost to that group and, and uh, they're able to rotate those guys maybe a little more than we thought that they would be able to uh, going into the season. Yeah. And that's one thing I want to make sure to preface this whole show with is, you know, the OLDL stuff guys that's this week is when it really starts where you can really get some observations in um, at training camp. And I didn't really pay attention to much, you know, Saturday with in that respect. I mean, no pads. I mean, it's hard to really take away much, um, but now that Brown and Dunlap are going to be there next time I'm there, Check in next week. I'll definitely have some OLDL takes. A lot stronger takes um, in that department. You bet my DMs are full of clips of OLDL one-on-ones and highlight reels, and I love it. It's it's uh, it's good time. We've seen some fun stuff there, and I, I know we'll get to a lot of that as we go through your questions. Injury news. Uh, Jody Fortson uh, left uh, on the front of the cart the other day, which you know obviously is a lot better than the back of the cart. Uh, he is out there walking around today, not practicing, but it looked like he was doing okay. Andy Reid was very clear that this is a minor deal. He'll be back in a few days. Yeah, well, we'll talk about Jody maybe a little later, uh, potentially, depending on what, some of these questions. But I will say uh, right now that that's your tight end, too, um, going off the field on the cart because he's looking really good at camp, man. I really – I think Jody's – he, he's definitely looking like the second-best tight end in my eyes. So that's, that's, that's more than just a backup tight end or, you know – you know, a third or fourth tight end get you know going off the cart. So he's a, he's 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 a big that's a big time uh big time news. And I assume they'll be cautious with him because yeah because he is come on he has come on so strong. He did pick up right where he left off. Uh, they're going to give him the full veteran treatment and say, hey, we don't need you out there uh, re-injuring yourself. Hopefully, he can stay healthy though, because that is that is going to be the big question now coming off of a lost season uh, or lost most of the season. Yeah, having another leg injury. All right, we don't want to slap that injury-prone label on him too soon. Uh, so hopefully that's a short-term thing. The shortest-term injury of all, I think, was Patrick Mahomes. Uh, got his foot stepped on. Uh, let, let everybody sweat a little bit more than they already were, but was right back in action. Uh, sounds like that was no big deal. Yep, sure sounds like it. Yeah, I'm glad uh, I'm glad it turned out to be nothing, Stags. That was, it was scary for about two seconds when I first got the notification, but uh, it, it, it seemed to be okay. Well, we got tons of questions, and a lot of them carried on uh, some of the big themes of what you expect to see in training camp. One of the things that always jumps out to me is you hear more about wide receivers in training camp than I think any other position in football. Uh, it's definitely you know more than, than the linemen, more than the quarterbacks even, I think. Uh, so the Chiefs wide receivers have been the story of camp, it seems to me, and a lot of them. So We'll jump right in with Mark Morin's question. Uh, he says, we're hearing plenty of positive news. Sky Moore, Juju Smith-Schuster, MVS. Um, is Josh Gordon showing anything that would indicate that he would make the team? Uh, and he also notes that that Watson, Justin Watson, looks like a guy uh, that, that could make the team because of the, the, his special team's ability. I saw he finally made a couple plays in camp today. Um, so is there a candidate – 
that might take away that fifth or sixth wide receiver spot from Gordon or Watson. Well, well, yeah, no, before I get into the the talk about the the new receivers, the guys, the more Juju and MBSs, we'll answer Mark Morin's question because when I was there Saturday, I noticed I saw a lot of Darius Fountain playing with those first team uh, reps uh, with Patrick Mahomes. Um, Fountain was that guy um, besides the top four, and then Justin Watson seemed to be that fifth guy that I saw getting reps uh, receivers with the the offense. No, that's not a name. That's not a name we've heard much about. This, I know. Season. I know. Last preseason, he was everyone's darling. He had a great preseason. Had a few really highlight catches. Um, you know, he plays that X position. You know, he, he's a, a typical X, and that's what he was playing um, on the field Saturday. And yeah, you know, uh, you're talking about Josh Gordon, who I have said on this podcast, it sounded like he has momentum um, to make the roster this year. Uh, I didn't see him uh, playing with Mahomes much at all. And I know early in camp, you're getting a lot of rotations. You're kind of seeing where guys fit in. So, you know, I don't want to, you know, make this the end all be all, but I definitely, you know, uh, Fountain was definitely getting a lot more time with Mahomes in the first team offense um, rotating in than, you know, Gordon, Powell. I mean, any of the guys you can name besides the top four and Justin Watson. So you're saying the top four um, are locked in Justin Watson. Are you seeing him as a lock? Yeah. Yes. You know, I, I, I kind of am at this point. Um, he was the other guy that was, I was playing a lot. I mentioned with like, as, as fountain um, Watson was, was going in motion a lot. He was the motion man quite a bit. Um, I noticed, um, which was kind of cool to see. Um, he's, he's, he's kind of a rare combination, a little bit of size and speed that I think the chiefs are going to like. And I think he's going to kind of be that Marcus Kemp role, right? Where like they might throw him in a receiver sometimes, but he's a really good special teams player. And uh, yeah, I, I I do see him as wide receiver five right now. It seemed that was like pretty clear to me, honestly. That's interesting. I think that's news. I mean, he, he is a little bit of a hot name this off season, but, uh, uh, but yeah, Fountain definitely w- was not so much. Uh, Josh Gordon, are you just not seeing a lot from him at all? Or have you seen some miscues? Well, no, I just didn't really see him with the Mahomes-led offense. When he did get on the field, I didn't, you know, I, I didn't see any production from him, to be honest with you. Um, just, but that was just Saturday. You know, I'm only there one day. You know, there's definitely uh, other opportunities for him to get. But, you know, it does, it does just seem like right now, whatever momentum he had from OTAs, all the hype we may have, have heard potentially, um, you know, maybe it's just not as uh, as strong as maybe uh, previously thought. Maybe that was more, um, you know, us kind of hoping maybe more than you know, the team actually telling us that he's going to be maybe a part of this offense this year. Fair enough. Well, just a dreamer points out uh, or asks a question about sky Moore, And he's a name that we've heard a lot about all of a sudden, like he wasn't talked about through, through OTAs and, and mandatory uh, mini camp. And then all of a sudden, now that he's at St. Joe, uh, it seems like sky Moore is making plays left and right. Uh, the question here from just a dreamer is, do you see him effective on the outside and not just in the slot? What do you think about Sky Moore and position-wise and performance-wise so far? Yeah, you know, I, I went up there kind of wanting to be skeptic a little bit because I, I think people maybe have just been getting excited about a rookie that, you know, we haven't seen yet. You know, maybe just, you know, kind of a confirmation bias almost in some instances. I don't know, man. He looks pretty dang good. I know there wasn't a pads on Saturday, but um, just his route running, you know, how, how smooth he is in and out of his breaks. Um, there's a specific play, uh, you know, where he he separates from Legarius Smeet over the middle, and I just think he was so smooth out of his break, and 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 so, you know, he's he's kind of one of those players that doesn't look as fast maybe as he actually is, right? Because he's so smooth. 
And I think it caught, it catches Snead off guard. And I think that's what you're going to see in the NFL is he, he has that kind of movement that's going to catch people off guard and it's going to give him those angles in the open field and, and different, you know, on routes. So all that to say, I absolutely do see how he could, you know, be an outside receiver and a slot receiver. I think at first, obviously, when you have these these kind of bigger receivers that can take out on the perimeter jobs, you know, Sky will definitely be, you know, at his best in the slot as a rookie, I would think. Um, but that's where I want to just say real quick, man, his emergence, you know, it's going to be tough for for everyone to get the ball here. And if Sky really earns some targets, man, that's where someone like McCall Hardman, you know, he, he's really led that hype train for him. I'm kind of getting worried, man. I I really thought he'd, he'd be that kind of the most experienced player in the offense and maybe kind of leading the receiver group. But I'm kind of getting worried that we're going to see a pretty defined role from McColl once again, as he's kind of maybe the complement around the other three receivers being kind of the, the truly difference makers in the offense. Before we get too far into McColl, back to Sky, I really do remember the, pre, the pre-draft process. Uh, what did you see about Sky that you liked? Because I remember – that it was the way he got in and out of his breaks and the the releases he had off of the line that made him interesting because there's some things that translate from college to pros and some things that don't. Sometimes your your go up and get it big receivers in college don't separate enough to to be good in the pros, yeah. right? What to me always seems to translate are guys that are great route runners and guys that catch the ball really well, uh, you know, in as as far as hands catchers, right? So. Those are things that that we saw in Sky, and maybe maybe we just uh, uh, underestimated him a little bit. Yeah, I, I I definitely think I did. It's it's a learning lesson for me as an evaluator. Um, as, as you know, you're right, Stags. I do think something you can um, count on translating is if you have very technical footwork, if you have good fundamentals, uh, you know, releasing off the line of scrimmage. I mean, it does go a long way. And we've already seen some clips of of, and I saw it in person of of Sky really being fundamentally sound in terms of how to deconstruct you know, a, a coverage right off the line. So I'm, I'm really excited about sky, man. I think so far he's looked really good. And again, you know, something I've always said with him is, Oh, well, you know, all these other mouths to feed. Well, man, if he's this impressive, someone else is going to have to go down in that, that pecking order. And it just feels like it makes sense for it to be McColl, And he might still just be in that gadgety role rather than being a true receiver once again, which, you know, I know he doesn't want to be that anymore. Right. Sags. <laughs> I doubt he does. Yeah. I mean, if you look back through McColl's entire history, I mean, his rookie season, he was the the big play guy, right? He he, did, he only had one or two catches a game, but it was a fifty yard touchdown. You know, and that's that's what he did, which was awesome. And then yeah. last year, it really felt like they were manufacturing a lot of touches for for him. So he always had one or two of the scripted plays right up front, mm-hmm. and then there'd be some gadget stuff either in that or or later on in the game. Uh, and he does a nice job catching the ball in traffic, uh, and and really the explosion out of him you know, allows him to make big plays out of, out of nothing. But uh, have you seen something from him in camp that has been a negative or is it just that everybody else has been so positive? Well, honestly, it's mostly the latter, I would say, but you know, I was there uh, Saturday again and, and I saw a deep crosser that McColl definitely creates created separation from Joshua Williams from the slot. Um, but the ball, I couldn't tell at first, maybe it feels a little too far, but it did hit him in the hands. Seemed like he should have caught it. And, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, you, if it hits your hands, you got to catch it in the NFL. I mean, I, I think that is a pretty good rule. And apparently uh, today I saw, um, I can't remember who tweeted it, but someone had a, a play update where it was another deep crosser and Mahomes was just a little too far from McCole, which, you know, could speak to their lack of communication as well. You know, we've seen that in the past from them. So it just, it, you know, it, it is kind of a, a both things where, you know, I don't think, I don't think you're seeing much of McCole's names come out in these tweets because I don't think he's making as many plays as the other guys. 
Um, and I, but I also think it's because maybe these other guys are better at the short to intermediate stuff that's easier to practice right now. And that deep stuff, maybe you're not going to see the deep, you know, Mahomes isn't throwing those 50, 60 yard deep balls every time in practice. Right. So it's one of those things where his strengths, McColl's strengths might just not be utilized in a practice setting. Right. You know, you, you want to save that kind of stuff for the game, for the real games. Right. That's fair. And, and you know, some of the, the gadget stuff is going to be the things that they don't want to yeah. show a lot of in preseason, at least not to the public and not to their preseason opponents. But it does seem like they were purposeful about the type of receivers they brought in this year. Mm-hmm. And they were, they brought in big guys uh, who obviously can block, who can go up and get it, uh, but that are strong hands catchers as well. To me, that says they wanted a bigger margin of error for Mahomes. So he doesn't have to be exactly on uh, the mark with his ball placement, which I think for the most part, Mahomes has excellent ball placement. But sometimes when he goes out of structure – pun intended uh he's uh uh you know he's going to be just flinging it around a little bit and and you've got some guys that can that can bail him out in those situations they can go get it in those situations with mccall it feels like his catch radius isn't quite as big um he's not a go up and get it and he's not a layout for a for an overthrown ball type guy uh so that he's got maybe just a smaller margin for error especially on on deep passes um, and so maybe his you know Mahomes's percentage throwing to Mahomes or throwing to uh, uh, Hardman down the field is always just going to be a little bit less and he's and and so they're going to continue to have to manufacture those touches to, because they're going to have so many more opportunities to throw to these other guys uh, outside. Yeah, exactly. No, I, I think you're right. And you mentioned, you know, McColl's, you know, lack of maybe catch radius. Well, that's something that Sky Moore is already impressed with in camp, as we've already seen a couple really insane, honestly insane. Yeah, insane catches for a rookie to be to be making, you know, uh, reaching out, diving before it hits the ground in, in certain aspects. And even, you know, the day I was there, he, he turned around on a pretty deep pass. And with Justin Reed making contact as the ball got there, he secured he secured the pass, making a great adjustment in the air. I mean, yeah, no, Sky Moore is looking really good. And it's not just about size there, right? It's it's about how they track the ball. It's about how they go get it. It's about laying out for it or or continuing to run. I mean, Tyreek Hill is not the biggest guy either, but he had a way of of, uh, positioning himself and going up and getting the ball. And I think, you know, Sky Moore may have a little bit of that to his game. I just was about to mention Tyreek when you started bringing that up. So great minds think alike. And speaking of that, this kind of leads into the, uh, the kind of, you know, the receiver talk leads into this question from Black Elf 19 at Lil Boa 6624. Am I crazy for thinking the Chiefs team on paper looks better than last year's team? Even with Hill gone, it seems like we are better and deeper at the overall receiver position, which we kind of did talk about. But I mean, you know, real quick, Stags, are we deeper at the receiver position? I think we both agree that's correct, right? I mean, deeper for sure. Yeah, exactly. And and so, yeah. So but what about the pass rush and secondary? He says it feels more promising than last year's group. Do you agree with that, Stags? That's the real question. You know, I, I think promising is the key word in all of this because it is a it's a little bit of like the devil, you know, versus the devil you don't know. And some of that uh, I'm going to keep throwing out cliches here, but familiarity breeds contempt. And so I think a lot of the guys that have transitioned off of this team were guys that we love to hate uh, after a while. Demarcus Robinson, Daniel Sorensen, Ben Neiman. You know, these are players that 
you know, when you saw him on the field, you feel like you know what you were going to get and it wasn't good. So my point in that is that now the Chiefs are much younger. Uh, they're, they're much more athletic. Uh, a lot of unproven guys that they're going to be counting on, but that does make it feel more hopeful for a lot of us, I think, because they've moved on from players that we felt like were holding the team back and they've moved on to young players with a lot of upside. So to me, the optimism here is not unjustified, uh, but maybe comes with a little bit of an asterisk in saying yeah, we're optimistic now partially because we haven't seen a lot yet, partially because these are these are young, you know, these are rookies, these are not the same old chiefs that you've been you've been watching over the last few years. Yeah, and I'll bring in Stefan at Casey Royalty 25's question as well. Um, he just asked pass rush enough or still more work to be done. Um, yeah, I, I think what you're getting at a little bit is just the fact that when you say promising, I think you can be more hopeful because I think they just have more bullets in the chamber this year in both in both the pass rush and the secondary, right? Yeah, you know, they 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 may not still have these top end guys that you're feeling you know super great about. You know, pass rush, you have Chris Jones and still. You know, we can say Dunlap, you know, we're hoping is maybe an upgrade even over Frank Clark. Potentially, he, he absolutely could be as a pass rusher. We'll see. Um, but just in general, they have more bullets in the chamber in both positions. And I think that's where you feel a little more excited about the groups. Uh, you know, just have more names to throw out there, you know, more chances at having good players. I think and last I'll, year you just didn't, right? Yeah, I, I think so. I think they've upgraded the depth. They've They've gotten younger. They've gotten faster. They've gotten more athletic. And so all of that makes you feel better about the team. I think prior to the Carlos Dunlap uh, addition, as as crazy as this sounds, a lot of people still would have said the roster was worse because there was just so little hope or so little depth at pass rush. Um, and now bringing in Dunlap brings a competent player to add to that mix, someone who can eat up a lot of snaps uh, or at least uh, his share of the snaps and can be productive in that time more productive than Melvin Ingram, who was a, a great addition last year. So I think there's a lot of reason to think that that was, you know, maybe the keystone, maybe the last missing piece of this, uh, of this roster as it's constructed, not saying he's the best player on the roster. You'll see in, a, in my player rankings that he's, you know, he's not going to start off really high on the list of best players on this team, but his addition, I think is the last big thing holding this team back was the pass rush or the lack thereof. And I think you can finally say now, okay, they have enough bodies to start the year um, at defensive end, and there's enough hope on the rest of the roster that they're going to be better. I think the secondary is going to be better. I think it was uh, it was time to move on from some of those guys, uh, namely Tyron Matthew and Dar- Daniel Sorensen. And I think you're going you're gonna to see a lot uh, over the next few weeks from, from Justin Reed uh, from from Cook, who we'll talk to and uh, talk about in just a minute, but I think there's enough hope uh, with Joshua Williams coming on. I want to hear you. I want to hear your thoughts on him, by the way. But I think the young guys in the secondary uh, are going to be exciting. They're going to be fun to watch. They're going to be out there making plays and playing fast, and that'll make a difference. And the pass rush should be at least as good as it was last year. Uh, and so, therefore, yes, I, I think I'm there now. I think it's a better team than it was uh, uh, last year um, if everything goes according to plan. Yeah, I think I'm there with you. Um, and you talk about Dunlap. I uh, just want to plug myself. Go look at the the film review I did, Carlos Dunlap, because I do think 
he is going to make this pass rush, you know, I think a level better. I think it, it, it doesn't just get a little better. I think it does get, you know, a good amount better, honestly, adding him into the mix. Um, but one guy, you know, that hasn't gotten much pub from camp yet, honestly, um, Jim Noble asked about at Jim Bob Cantex. Will they find a way to get Leo Chanel on the field consistently? Because he's excited about him. Um, I'm just going to say real quick, he is not the starting Sam linebacker right now. And that can change, obviously, and it, and it may change before we get to week one. Um, but that job goes to Elijah Lee, the Blue Springs product. Um, you know, so got a local kid kind of um, stealing the shine from our guy, Leo Chanel Stags. Are you kind of what you know, is there any takes on, you know, Chanel not being the starter yet? Or are you just kind of not worried about that at the moment? Well, Jim, unfortunately, I think that Leo Chanel is going to be that guy that all season we're complaining because he's not on the field and we feel like he should be. Uh, so we're going to be yelling at Spags saying, put that guy in because he's he can hit somebody. He can get to the quarterback. I'm just not convinced yet. I'm not optimistic yet that they're going to consistently use him in the way that we'd like to see it. I think they'll start with a veteran. They'll give him every chance to work his way in. But but no, I, I don't think they're going to find a way to get him on the field consistently. What do you think, Ryan? Well, I, I do think there's a chance that it's just early, right? And that, you know, you get a veteran in the start of the camp. Um, but maybe, you know, Chanel kind of earns that rep, that spot over time because he was rotating in with the ones, um, you know, he did get time with the ones in, in team 11 on 11 while I was there. Um, but yeah, Lee is definitely the starter right now. And yeah, you know, maybe, uh, you know, it just might be kind of hard for Chanel maybe right away to, to find a, a role just because, you know, there are a good amount of linebackers on this team now that, that, you know, Elijah Lee has experience, you know, so, and Spags likes experience. So, um, but yeah, I think, I think it might just be early. I, I think that might be the case. Well, we have so many more questions here and so many more of Ron's camp observations that we're going to try to squeeze in. I'm just going to go rapid fire here, uh, and I'll jump in once in a while, but for the most part, I'm just going to try to get Ron's takes on your questions. So just a dreamer asks, Pacheco has gotten a lot of hype. His physical traits look like Jonathan Taylor's. What are your realistic expectations (laughs) for him? Well, real quick, I know he said rapid fire, but he 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 made me look this up, right? So Pacheco versus Taylor. They're both 5'10. Pacheco's 216. Taylor's 226. A little bit of a weight difference. Pacheco had 10 more bench reps than Taylor. They both ran similar 40 times. Both had similar 10-yard splits. Both had similar broad jumps. Both had similar vertical jumps. And both had similar three cones. So the dude, the dude isn't wrong. The dude isn't off in terms of physical traits. But uh, let's when then you follow that up by saying realistic expectations. Um, yeah, no, uh, Pacheco, I was uh, pleasantly surprised to see him working with the, the first team on, um, you know, on Saturday. One thing I do want to note, I mentioned Ronald Jones was not working with first team. I do think there is something to not having pads on yet. They're working a lot of pass game. If Ronald Jones is going to be a part of that anyway, why are you even getting him reps in the first team? But I also think that's a good thing for Pacheco because he was absolutely getting a lot of reps with the pass with the pass game stuff. So I don't know, man. It seems like he's kind of almost a lock at this point to make the roster. I'm excited to see what he looks like in the preseason. From Magic Mahomes to who's the forgotten man in, Ch- in Chiefs camp so far? And finally, by the way, <laughs> some breaking news here. Uh, Magic Mahomes asks good questions every week. His Twitter handle is not a Chiefs fan. And, and this week he finally clarifies for us uh, yes, Matrick Mahomes is a Chiefs fan, so I'm I'm happy to hear that that is a misnomer and that he really is a Chiefs fan. But uh, go ahead with this question on Forgotten Man. Yeah, I'm really glad one of our most consistent listeners wasn't actually a not Chiefs fan. Um, but yeah, so Forgotten Man Chiefs camp, it's got to be Mike Dana. Uh, I really think he 
I wrote about him uh, today. You actually see it on the site on um, Tuesday, but I really think he is that pass rusher. That's going to, you know, kind of be the, the fifth guy or so in the rotation, but really give you some good reps. We've seen really good stuff from Mike Dana's career so far. I think he's been pushed down the depth chart more than probably his talent um, says he probably should be right. I think he probably, you know, he, if he's the fifth defensive end in, in the room now, um, if you're counting, you know, Dunlap Clark, uh, well, I guess you're fourth. He's the fourth defensive end, I should say, excuse me, but still um, not playing, you know, not having a huge role in the defense. I think he's going to give you a lot of good snaps and maybe a limited role. And, and I think he is the forgotten man. It's, it's a compliment that you're just calling him a pass rusher. So, I mean, I think that's uh, uh, <laughs> that's a step in the right direction. Well, and I, and I, and I should have mentioned too, he, they, I, I noticed, and he actually talked about it with the media, but he is working as an interior rusher in some packages as well. I think he might be one of those key players in the NASCAR packages, um, kind of being that defensive end that can rush from the interior, which I could see. Um, but Stags, I want your your answer on this one. Um, Brian's got a good question for us. Brian, my guy. Um, we're gonna do. We're gonna be getting back on the AP film room and stuff this uh, this year. But Brian Stewart at Brian Stewart underscore. Um, will this statement be true a year from now, Stags? The 2022 rookies Chiefs rookie class greater than the 2021 Chiefs rookie class. Well, I love this comparison, and and I'm hoping that it's a tough question, right? Right. Because the 2021 Chiefs draft class uh, really was stellar. And if you look at look no further than the top 20 rankings we just put out, there are a lot of guys in that top 20 from this last season's draft class, including somebody in the top five, um, you know, two guys in the top five. I mean, this yeah. is a this is really a, a substantial haul from 2021. It's going to be hard to top that. This year's draft class, I think, uh, certainly has the potential because I think there's guys we like all the way up and down the line. Uh, I think Sky Moore is going to be a, a swing guy on this. If if Sky Moore blows up and becomes a, a core part of the wide receiver room next year, um, then I think maybe you got something. Uh, Joshua Williams is another one that I think a lot of people had lower expectations for, but maybe now is getting a lot of hype, uh, a lot of buzz. If he pans out really well, then, yeah, this class is probably a home run as well. Um, we expect McDuffie and Karloftis to be good. Uh, you know, again, assuming neither of them disappoints, you know, I think this this certainly has a chance. And it might be flashier because the guys from 2021, you, know, you get a center, you got a Mike linebacker, you get a guard, you know, it, it's going to be it's going to be more exciting if they get a number one corner a top pass rusher and a, and a good, you know, number one, number two wide receiver out of this class, it, it's going to be flashier. It's going to seem better. So um, I'm optimistic so far. It's early. It's a high bar, but, you know, a good return so far from the rookie class. What, what have you seen out there? Yeah, no, uh, you know, I'll, uh, I think you have to make good points about the flashiness, right? Cause I, I would say 2021. So I think we get to next year and I still think, the absolute, you know, centerpieces of your team you have in Nick Bolton, Trey Smith, and Creed Humphrey will, will outweigh anything you get from, you know, rookie, you know, any rookie production out of this class, even though you have bigger volume probably. And again, like you said, flashier. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's a good point, actually, with the, the flashiness. Um, but I'm going to say 2021 will still be better in our eyes. Well, just a dreamer goes, takes it a step further. Is there any undrafted guys that are standing out in camp so far? 
Yeah, uh, you know, Jerrion Ely, the Ole Miss running back uh, slash receiver, as they they put him in the rookie minicamp. Um, the the big play I saw him make on Saturday was as a receiver. I will say he he played from the slot. Um, had a nice little slant. Um, that he shook off the slot corner and and got upfield for a huge game, uh, or huge gain in in team Saturday. So yeah, no, I, I think Ely, uh, you know, looks like a guy that could be a little bit of a spark plug in the preseason. A guy that maybe you know is is the guy that goes off in the fourth quarter of a preseason game. You know. Is is Ely getting uh, returner reps because he was yes. an outstanding kick returner in college? He is, uh, but not as uh, not you know among the the starters. I did notice the punt returner kind of you know main guys that I saw seemed to be McColl and Sky were the two kind of Corey Coleman was back there too, but obviously he's not going to make the team. So I saw they put McDuffie on on some returns as well, which I was surprised to see. Yeah, kick return. Yes, he was the only defensive player I noticed with the kick return guys so that's you know that's interesting well just a dreamer is a big part of our questions uh, <laughs> today but i love it uh williams looks like another sneed in the making and i assume by that not that they're the same type of player but that we're talking about a fourth round pick that instantly as a rookie steps in and makes an impact as a cornerback uh, are you impressed with williams so far you know, I am because I do think one thing uh, you can kind of say if you're Williams is, hey, he's got the the physical tools, maybe the length, the, you know, maybe aggressiveness to kind of keep up when there's pads on to kind of shape, you know, or uh, disguise some of his weaknesses. But, you know, he, he comes in right away without pads and, and looks really good making plays without, you know, getting too contact, I think, or it's getting too physical. I think the Chiefs posted the video um, where he's break or Juju actually caught it. Actually, it was a great catch by Juju, but. Um, Joshua Williams seemed to time it up great and get his hands exactly where they needed to be without getting too physical. And I really think that's a really impressive rep for one of his first days as a pro player from going D2. So I, I have been impressed. Absolutely. I think the answer is yes. Brent at TD underscore MFL ADDONS. I don't know. I don't know what that, uh, what that is spells out, but he asked the question clocks ticking on Kelsey is his replacement on the 53. Well, uh, well I, I guess mean, maybe a better question is his replacement on the 90 right now. Yes. True. Yes. That is the proper way to, to ask that. Uh, no, I, I, I don't know about all the, when Kelsey will stop, I don't want to, you know, jinx anything. So I'm not even going to talk about him necessarily. This is just a chance to talk about how good Jordy, Jody Fortson's looked in camp, man. You know, I, I had my chance to be up there and see it for myself, man. And, and it is not just lip service, man. He does look noticeably, better tight end than Noah Gray and Blake Bell. I mean, he's just, you know, way better mover, just, you know, obviously a better target, a bigger target for Mahomes. He seems to be, I, I've seen, I saw a couple times, he just gets behind the linebackers on a crossing route. And, you know, Willie just, you know, on one, on one time, I think his length was just too much for Willie to handle in terms of the ball. You know, I think Willie kind of thought he had a, a chance to cover him, but, you know, Mahomes put it out so much in front and Jody had the length to go out and get it. Um, I think that's really going to be a key to him, you know, that that length, you know, through windows, you know, past defenders. Um, I I really like what I've seen, man. I really think he's gonna he's gonna just start out the season as as a second tight end. I, I you know, unless they really need a blocking role at that position, I think Jody's your second best tight end right now. He's absolutely a, a joy to watch play football. I'm glad that injury doesn't seem like it's going to be too bad. I think he's he's got a role in the offense. Period. Whether yeah. You know whether Kelsey's on the field with him or not, he definitely has a role. It's more than you can say for some of the other guys on the roster. So we'll we'll see how the rest of that room shakes out. Just a dreamer and Zach both asked about Brian Cook, Brian Cook, the safety, the rookie safety. Uh, 
Zach noted that he seems to be having a quiet camp. What do you think about, about Cook? Well, I mean, you know, you're right. You haven't heard too much uh, from Cook, right? I think the one thing you actually did hear today was Pete say that Cook might have been the guy that missed the tackle on Justin Watson's catch and run that went 60 yards. Um, I don't know if he missed the tackle, but he was kind of in the area and Justin Watson maybe got by him. But I will say he's a starting dime safety um, as of this moment. Um, you know, they didn't even let Bush kind of be the veteran to start the camp with it, I guess, because on Saturday they, they deployed it in a seven on seven and in a team drill. And both times Brian Cook was that third safety out there with Nick Bolton as the dime linebacker, which is important um, as well. But, um, you know, I you know, it's it's hard to tell how good Brian Cook has looked so far. I haven't seen him make any plays necessarily in my for my own eyes, but. I think it's, you know, it's a great sign that he's a dime safety. I think that that tells you they trust him um, right away as, as, a, as someone that, that can play in a very pivotal role. I mean, that is a very important role. Spags deploys those dime defenses on third downs and, and other very important passing downs. And w- when he was drafted, I think that's one of the things we got excited about. This is the Dan Sorensen replacement. Yes. This is yes. this is your dime safety from, from day one. And he, he's been in the box quite a bit so far in camp, right? Yeah, uh, well, you know, actually, I will say on the on the dime safety rep I saw, it looked like Reed was actually the one maybe creeping closer to the box, and and Thornhill and Cook maybe were the ones a little further back. But Cook is yeah. you know, definitely more of a of a kind of a closer to the line of scrimmage box player more than he is a, a true free safety ranging kind of back there. Just a dreamer asks about Canard. Is he getting, is he going to get reps with the ones now that Orlando Brown Jr. is back? You know, honestly, right now I'm going to make this nice and simple. I think Andrew Wiley is the team's right tackle, and I don't think they're really worried about, you know, changing him out of there. I don't. I, I think they're good with his pass protection. I think they're going to trust him more, and I think they're going to roll with this same offensive line they had last year and kind of, you know, use that cohesion as a, as a strength. Win Wesley, any word on Taylor Stallworth, the defensive tackle that they signed from the Colts? Well, right now it looks like Turk is playing over him. Tershawn, or sorry, uh, Tershawn Warden is playing over him, but I meant Colin Saunders seems to be playing over him. Um, when I saw the second team unit, the starting def- defensive tackles were Saunders and Turk. So Stallworth is kind of playing behind them at the moment, but there's plenty of time. So very early in camp for Stallworth to prove himself over Saunders. But that is the battle right now because I think it. I think it's going to be hard for both of them to make the roster, although it is possible. I think it's between one or the other. Well, Ron, we're probably past due to go to break, but there's one quick question I wanted to address real quick. Alan Caps asked, is Justin Ross going to play this year? Uh, that's a quick answer of no. He's on the injured reserve. And if you put somebody on IR prior to cutdown day, prior to making the 53, that's the type of IR that's a season ender, period. If they wanted him to be able to return, potentially, they would have had to keep him through roster cutdowns and then put him on injured reserve after he made the 53. That did not happen. His season is over. We'll talk. We'll see him next year, hopefully. Yes. Well, with that, Stags, I appreciate you getting there. Um, we'll just take it to break here. All right. We're back here on the Out of Structure podcast on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. Appreciate you listening. As always, we're back on our weekly schedule as we get camp kicked off here. We've been talking training camp all show. Um, we got a little bit of a, an abstract question here from from Jake Wilson, our, our, our you know a constant question asker. Uh, Jake Wilson at Jake for now on Twitter. Suppose suppose Brett Veach contacts you, which I would be cool, right? Uh, he's a big fan of your work and hires you to the Chiefs coaching staff. Wow. Okay. Now now we're talking, Jake. So first question, he's got he's got a couple, but we're gonna start with this first question here, Stags. 
as newly in or as newly vetted insiders with full transparency, what questions are you asking other coaches, Veach, or even the players? What questions are we asking them, Stags? What are you thinking? All right. So I just want to clarify the question here says that we're hired to the coaching staff. So yeah. we're not we're not just insiders. We're not like PR folks uh, that have good access to the team. We're actually coaches. So my first question is, what has gone wrong with this organization that they would they didn't find a better candidate to be a coach than, than me? <laughs> That's my first question. Well, they answered that, and now we have our second question, because <laughs> we, we can't answer that one. And, and trust me, I'm in that same boat. My second question, though, is, uh, in all seriousness, is if Frank Clark's contract hadn't worked out the way that it did, uh, would you have actually wanted to keep him around? Was was he going to be cut if he didn't do that? Well, I like that question. I really like that question because that's you're right, man. I've I've long thought that myself because you see them get rid of Hitchens and and Tyron. You think it would kind of make sense to have that clean sweep of the the leadership, right? I I like that sag. But like but that. now there, there's a lot of positive talk about Frank. He's right out front. Uh, he's looking quick. You know, he's he looks like he's poised for a good season. They were very frank about his performance last year, talking about how he was, uh, you know, didn't have his best season, could play better than that. Uh, they were very honest about that. And so, you know, maybe this was the plan all along, but it sure seemed like that was a uh, an afterthought that, that, he stayed, that he stuck around. So I'd be curious to see what the true thoughts were about that. Well, so when I when I looked at this question, I, I kind of thought about it um, and, and kind of like so I'm trying to get like maybe some more of just like inside information um, and like maybe like so I can make decisions, although honestly, I'm on the coaching staff, so I really can't be making many decisions. But I don't know. The one the thing I kind of wanted to figure out was like, who who are the actual like leaders on this team in terms of like who are the guys that like are actually kind of doing what they say, kind of backing up their talk and who are the players that you know, maybe you're saying something in the media and, you know, maybe behind the scenes, it's like, you know, they're not the hardest worker or, or they're not the, like, let's actually weed out those guys. Right. Like let's, you know, if, if you know, again, I took this as like, I can do something about the information I have. Um, but like, you know, if, if we do have, you know, guys fighting for contracts, but you know, and I know, he, you know, he, he showed up, you know, he showed up to camp now, but you know, if we do have guys that are willing to miss a whole, you know, preseason, just, you know, really for, for no reason, if we did have that case, like, you know, let, I kind of want to know what, you know, what the real story is, right? Like, are they actually like, you know, going to be, you know, worth, worth that big deal or not, you know, that, well, I don't know. Jake that, left that was, this open, right? He, he said, you can ask the coaches, you can yeah. ask Brett Veach, or you can ask the players. So that would be a question you could ask the players, like go out for beers with a bunch of the players and be like, all right, let me know what's really going on. here. I know I, you know, that's what I'm saying, you know, cause I even, you know, we just talked about Frank, like, Hey, I was, again, I was around the defensive line group on Saturday. I was kind of, you know, I, I really, it looks like Frank is, is taking that leadership role. I really see it too. But you know, is that just lip service? Like, are we just, you know, or do people really behind the scenes look at Frank and like, all right, this guy, you know, he, he says a lot, he talks a lot, you know, he gets up in front of the mic and says you know he, he we i love listening to him talk because it seems like he's genuine it seems like he honest it seems like he means all of it but do the players actually kind of you know get behind him on those kind of things i don't know you know like it's you know i it, i'd be curious to, to know if if uh how much respect he garners in the in the locker room that's fair I, I think all of my questions were were really 
of Brett Veach more so and, and somewhat <laughs> of, of Andy Reid here. Uh, because the the other the next questions I was going to ask again inside information, what do you really think about McColl? What do you yeah. really think about Clyde? Like, because yeah. th- those are two players that that I suspect that they that they do like maybe more than than a lot of fans, but but maybe they just feel locked in because they're draft picks. So I'd be curious to get the real story on those guys. Yeah, I, I would like that, you know, or or just, you know, for Clyde specifically, maybe even asking like, okay, what, like, what actually, what was like the entire, like last year, like, did it really, like, did he really get impeded this much in the off season where like, you, you know, there was just no, uh, you know, implementing of him in the offense and what happened where Daryl was just like locked in as this third down back and Clyde never got saw the field in third down. Was it trusting or was it really just like, was it pass pro? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or was it? Cause I do think there was maybe some legitimacy to his off season really getting kind of impacted and his, you know, not being full go at training camp or in the preseason and them not really ever getting the chance to really get him going in, in uh, you know, in the way they wanted to. Um, Cause I haven't said it on this pod. So, so let me say it real quick. One other tramp observation I had uh tramp, I think I said tramp tra- training camp observation. I had uh, Clyde, you know, I saw one play where he's lined up as receiver, runs a great slant route, you know, breaks off. I can't remember who the corner or I don't, I didn't see who the corner was, I should say. Um, but man, he created a lot of separation would have been a huge pass play if Mahomes threw him the ball. And it looked like Mahomes looked his way. And I don't know, maybe there was another defender blocking his vision, but, uh, man, I don't know if we see a little bit more of that. I really think Clyde, uh, could be utilized as a receiver kind of split out wide a little bit more than he has been in the past. Well, that, that actually goes right into Jake's uh, second half of his question, unless you had more to add on the questions you would be asking. What ideas or concerns are you bringing to the staff meetings? And, yeah, that's one of mine is well, let's, let's throw the ball to Clyde. Like that's a brand-new idea that I, they've probably never heard before that, that we, could, we could introduce this idea of Clyde uh, as, a, as a receiving back. I know, right? No, actually, you know, because one play, the play actually I saw that I just mentioned, they actually had Burton in the game as well, but he was just like the 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 running back to the left of Mahomes in the shotgun, right? And so you look in the huddle as a defensive coach, you see, okay, they have a fullback and running back. They're probably going to run the ball. And they probably had Travis in there too. So that's a tight end and two running backs, right? And then you can come out if Clyde can actually play a receiver. If Travis, obviously, we know can split out wide. Then you can just have your fullback pass protect, and then you have four wide, right? But the defense thinks you're gonna you had a running personnel in, so they have a heavier defense, right? Those are the kind of things you can do um, when Clyde can truly line up as a receiver. So that's where that's where I'm kind of excited about it. And I, I would imagine Burton can uh, can pass protect if he needs to. Exactly right. Um, exactly. Uh, but I should say one of the, the new idea con- uh, concerns I or bring. I think he meant concepts uh, when he said ideas slash concepts. Are you bringing to staff meetings? You know, one thing I, I kind of thought of that I, I, I would do if I'm a coach, you know, I would use a lot more of these bigger receivers like Juju, MBS, or Justin Watson straight up as the H back um, in, and, you know, on these, these plays where you see like Noah Gray leading up the hole or Blake Bell kind of, you know, pulling around. You know, Juju can, can pack a punch with a hit, man. And, and, and Justin Watson at the same time, dude, I, I think that dude can move for his size and, and also – um, can block as well. He's been a great special teamer um, in the NFL. So I I would like eliminate, you know, I'd, I'd probably, you know, eliminate some roster spots at tight end and fullback by having, um, you know, receivers kind of play more of those roles more, um, even though it may not be 
what they want to do, right? Which is probably why it doesn't happen. I doubt receivers want to be the ones making those blocks a lot of the times. But uh, I just think it's a way to kind of, you know, uh, uh, make your roster more efficient and also make your uh, formation more versatile, right? You have guys that can block and go out and, and make big plays as pass catchers too at the same position. Yeah, I mean, I was going to introduce this another new concept uh, that's just groundbreaking and that nobody's ever seen in the NFL. It's called the play-action pass. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's, you know, we, we joke about that because they have to run the ball. They have to be a threat to run the ball in order for play-action to work. Uh, and so I think with a guy like Ronald Jones in the game, play-action should be, should be something that they can leverage because eventually – Teams are going to see him coming in. They're going to know that they're not throwing to Ronald Jones, and yeah. and they're going to stack up, stack the box against the run a little bit. Uh, I'd really like to see that concept and that part of the offense just developed out more. Uh, you know, it, again, it's what's old is new again, maybe in, in this scenario. But uh, you know, I really think that working on Mahomes because Mahomes has good. Uh, he's, he's got good handiwork right there. He's got he's got yeah. uh, good good uh, ball handling skills, if you will. So uh, being able to utilize that in in a different kind of play action package, uh, and maybe a little bit more old school, uh, and setting it up to the point where it works would be a, a concept I would love this coaching staff to figure out. Yeah, no, I'm I'm totally with you, but I think I think we got to have a little fun with with Christian's question now, Stags. All right. Well, he's saying uh, when when we go to a game this year, what are we all packing for the tailgate? Christian's saying we got to figure out the food, the drinks, the games, the music, all of that stuff. So I'm assuming he's talking about an AP staff uh, yes, tailgate. Sir. So we've got the big tent. We've got the Arrowhead Pride flag flying. <laughs> um, and apparently uh, he's put, for some reason, Ron Cotton Jr. <laughs> in charge of music. So, uh, you run your, what's on your playlist to get this thing started? Yeah, no, I, I appreciate you, Christian. Shout out Christian Gumminger, uh, a great writer at AP. Uh, he, he, he put me in charge of music for some reason, the youngest of the group. I think I, I would assume I'm, I'm the youngest. I don't, don't think anyone's got me, but, uh, you know, I mean, there's those chief songs that I think we're about to list off, but you know, if you're asking me what kind of music, you know, I, I love me some J Cole, some early Kanye West. If I want a piece to everybody, you know, Red Hot Chili Peppers is always the way to go. You know, Green Day back in the day, I could get down to some Green Day too. I'm I'm a mixed bag, Stags. I'm a mixed bag. I can appreciate that, man. A lot of that stuff from <laughs> from my era too. Even if I was a little bit older when I was listening to it, than yeah, you Green, Green Day was a little, yeah, Green Day was the '90s one, not the current stuff, not the modern. A- absolutely, there there's a there's a lot of stuff on uh, that I would put in there if it was my music. Uh, we were trying to think about before the pod some some of the classic Chiefs songs, and these are going to be pretty obvious to most of you, but uh, I really like the Tech 9 uh, both the KC Mo song and the Red Kingdom. Uh, so I'd be playing a lot of Tech 9 in Kansas City at, at my tailgate. Um, Ron, you had some of the old school, like the, oh, yeah. the Chiefs songs that you knew growing up. Oh, yeah, dude. I remember going to Arrowhead, and they used to have the best song selection for kickoffs or touchdowns. Rock and Roll Part 2 by Gary Glitter. I mean, come on. That's still the touchdown song in my head. Um, you know, I remember back in the day, kickoffs, Black Betty. Anyone else? Welcome to the Jungle <laughs> as well. They used to play those. For, I, I think they still play Welcome to the Jungle for kickoff. Um, 
And then obviously Stags, we all know, which I honestly am kind of getting tired of. I, I can't I can't lie, but Fight for Your Right to Party is uh is the touchdown song now, Stags. Are you are you approval of that? I I don't know. Did I get your take on that? Yeah, no, I'm I'm all right with that song. I, yeah, okay. I, I don't mind the beast. I haven't gotten tired of it yet. It, it's you know, obviously <laughs> they're playing off Travis Kelsey in the Super Bowl uh, uh yeah. parade, right? So so you know, that was a great moment and, and so I, I'll I'll appreciate it for that purpose. Uh, Gary Glitter, I know he was banned uh, for for good reasons in his personal life, uh, but maybe we can get somebody else to cover that song and then use their yeah. version of it. That way, it's not uh, as controversial because uh, I do love that. Uh, uh, that's that's the iconic Chiefs song that I think about, um, along with the the Arrowhead Chop or the, the Tomahawk Chop song. Um, that one's not as uh, uh, culturally appropriate anymore. So um, you know. It, Maybe I don't know if that's being phased out at some point, or if we're going to continue using that one. But uh, if we're just in the in the parking lot uh, and tailgating, it doesn't have to be all Chiefs music. We can play the stuff we like. But you know, what are we going to put Rocky in charge of? So Christian throws this out there. Uh, what in the world uh, would, would Rocky be in charge of? I guess he's going to be in charge of snacks, which I could see, bro. I could see Rocky just absolutely dominating the snack game. Um, I could absolutely see, because, you know, there, there's your main course, your entrees, you got your drinks as well. When we're talking snacks, you're talking finger food, you're talking, you know, things you can just grab real quick while you're, you know, maybe, you know, while you're cooking, um, while you're maybe watching another game or, you know, whatever you're doing. I could see Rocky pulling together some, some great snacks. Uh, he, he put together great uh, kid snacks, so. We're just big kids, right? You know, we can put together snacks for us. Yeah, I could see him bringing bringing the chips, bringing the the, the combos, and the, all the stuff that we talked about last week on the road trip, uh, piling up the candy and that sort of stuff that that gets you through. Uh, but when you actually tailgate, what do you bring? What do you cook? What are you serving at your for the meal, not just the snacks? So if Rocky's got the snacks covered, now it's time to sit down and and actually eat before you go into the game. Well, you know, I, I'm going to be honest. None of us are, are chefs, um, you know, five-star chefs. So, uh, you know, a lot of the times the more important part of the tailgate is being together, uh, you know, drinking a few cold ones, you know, playing some football. So usually, yeah, it's, it's pretty basic. We just go with the burgers, go with the brats, the hot dogs, you know, um, you know, maybe just switch up the kind of brats you get to get it a little, you know, fancier. Uh, no, we, 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 we go pretty basic, get the, just get the grill going, just have something going. Um, it's always nice to have that little, that, that heat, uh, you know, the heat during the winter games too. So that's why you get the grill going. Well, I'm going to represent the out of town fans that roll through LCs or gates on the way to the game. Yeah. And just bring a whole mess of, of already cooked barbecue. Uh, that way you can, uh, you can just get after it. You don't have to worry about uh, setting up the grill and getting the charcoal going and, and then what to do with the charcoal after the game. Uh, you know, that, that whole dance, uh, it, it is a little easier um, I still think this is the million dollar idea that I still don't understand why the Chiefs don't have food trucks and tents from all the major barbecue joints in town set up in the parking lot. Because if I didn't have to cart that stuff in and I can go get it hot, uh, I you know there's 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 not much I wouldn't pay uh, for prices in that parking lot if you can get real Kansas City barbecue in the parking lot. And not whatever the uh, the food service company is is shelling out inside the game. Stags, that's a, that's that's interesting. How practical is that though? Because like maybe that's why it doesn't happen. Because like where do you put it? And then even no matter where you put it, you're just gonna have this long 
colossal line that's just and just you're never you have nonstop orders. I mean, yeah, you'd have to have a lot of them. Uh, and I'm sure that the food service folks that uh, have a contract inside the stadium would not be happy yeah, about the outside of the stadium I guess uh, having other is. vendors. So, yeah, there's some logistical challenges, but that parking lot's big enough for a giant line of food trucks and, and a couple of big old tents. You know, there, there's already some corporate tents and other stuff out there where they're serving catered food. You know, wh- why not have some real barbecue there? Uh, when it comes to drinks, though, what, do you, what are you drinking when you get to the game? So I, I'm a beer guy still, you know, guys, I'm, I'm, I'm young. I, I stick to my beer. Um, I love, I love me a good beer. Um, you know, my dad loves Miller light. I, you know, I, I could, you can't do Boulevard wheat right during a tailgate. You just can't get that, that, you know, that heavy with it. Um, so, you know, Michelob, Michelob ultra lights, one of my go-tos, Coors light, Miller light. So I'm, I'm a beer guy. I'm a beer guy. Yeah. I, I can't do, I can't do cheap beer, um, anymore. <laughs> I'm way too old for that at this point, but, uh, so uh, even when I wasn't so old, especially if you get there early and you're doing a full day and you got to settle in, uh, I always start with like a vodka lemonade, uh, Jack and Coke, or, you know, depending on how you're feeling from the day before Red Bull vodka, whatever it is that gets your day going. Um, and, and then you can kind of hit that right plateau. I always felt like uh, that was a good way to start. And then I can have a beer when I get in the stadium. Uh, and, and you don't need a lot of volume uh, of, of beer at that point. Yes. No, you're a smarter man than I. You're a wiser man, and I and I think I need to take that advice from you. Uh, but the superior Red Bull featured drink, by the way, is a Jaeger bomb, so I'll just say that. That's that's fair. Uh, what about games, by the way? So I heard you say let's uh, toss the football around in the parking lot. Are we playing uh, – are we playing – I don't know what you call it here, but it bags or cornhole. Cornhole. Uh, yeah. We're playing some cornhole here. Uh, I'm also a big fan of washers, by the way. Not everybody plays washers, but it, but it's a uh, uh, that's something we played a lot in college. It feels like a, a Missouri kind of game. Uh, any any other tailgate games we're missing? No, honestly, yeah, cornhole is really our go-to a lot of the time too, um, and just tossing the football. You know, I love. I don't really get to throw the football around anymore, so honestly, I I, I love getting out there and just. And especially you get there early, there's plenty of parking space. I love just chucking that thing. Uh, you know, it, it it feels different when you're doing it in a, in a Chiefs parking lot. So, uh, yeah. so I told the story on. a couple of years ago when I went to the, the Chiefs game at Detroit and when I was checking out their tailgate scene, they had this game where they had this long, it was like a miniature football field. Uh, and, you, and there's a chair at each end and they were throwing darts. And I'm like, oh. what is going on with this game? You set your beer down at the at one end of this this field, and you're throwing darts. And if you hit at the other guy's beer, and if you hit the the side uh, of the beer, he has to drink like a quarter of it or something. And then if you hit the top of the beer, and it's your dart sticks in the top, then he's got to chug the whole thing. Uh, so that was an interesting game. I can't remember what they called it, but you know. Get get creative with those tailgate games. I appreciate that. Yeah, no, I've actually seen clips of that. I think that that does sound like a fun game. Uh, you know, I sounds kind of like beer die too. We we play some beer die, but you can't play beer die outside, obviously, or out there's, in the parking lot. There's a lot of beer pong you know, that, that's played on tailgates. It seems like now, oh, yeah, just gets a little yeah. windy sometimes for that. You know, that's true. All right, so I think we got our tailgate wrapped up. I think we got to actually do this thing now. We we've talked about it. I think we gotta, I know. We're gonna make this actually happen sometime. We set it up. I mean, we got everything put together now. We just gotta take action. 
Well, before we go, I'd, we'd be remiss if we didn't hit a couple of our, our segments that we've been doing every week. It's time for the final installment of the top 20 Chiefs heading into the 2022 season. Uh, so I had the, the top four. Uh, of those four, at least three of them I felt like there was just absolutely no surprise about. Obviously, everybody knows who the number one player on the Chiefs roster is, the number one player in the universe when it comes to, to professional football. Um, any Anybody jump out at you on my top four? <laughs> well, of course. Uh, Nick Bolton gets all the way up to four. Gets It's all the way past all these, all the starting offensive linemen, all the you know difference makers in the secondary. I think last time I told you I'd have Snead a little higher than you had him. You know, I, it's it's hard to argue having Snead over Bolton, though. You know, I, I want to make the argument, but when you talk about importance to the team, you know, Bolton's position, you know, I, I think Snead, you know, in the secondary, you make a lot of plays. But when you're the, the green dot, especially if he's going to be playing all three downs, which it does look like right now at the moment, he's the dime linebacker, which does mean he'd be playing all three downs. That is a much more important player, in my opinion. So, yeah, all of a sudden he does become one of the most important players on the team being a three down linebacker and, and pretty much the green dot of the defense. That's why I keep trying to remind everybody that I'm, I'm trying to be forward looking about this thing. Uh, we knew the top three were going to be Mahomes, Kelsey, Chris Jones. And, and you can, there could have been times in the past where you'd argue Chris Jones, maybe at two Kelsey three, but over the last couple of years, I think it's become pretty clear that Mahomes and Kelsey are in a class all of their own in the NFL at their positions. Chris Jones is amongst the top, players at his position in the league. Um, Nick Bolton, I think, really burst onto the scene, and I did not expect him to be a three-down linebacker. I didn't expect him to be a, a contributor as early on as he was. So he's crushing expectations so far, and they're putting a heavy load on him for 2022. He's going to be really central to what they do. I think that dime linebacker is really interesting because of his role in the run game because – Teams love to run against the Chiefs' dime package, right? They they put a, a formation on the field that the Chiefs think is, is a pass-related formation. Down a distance would say pass. They put the dime package out there, and then they run for days, whether it's a quarterback running the ball, uh, which happened way too often last season. But I think Nick Bolton can bring a little bit of that enforcer attitude uh, and his ability to stop the run to that dime package. Uh even if he's not the best cover guy in the world, now he's the center point of that defense, like you said, on all three downs. You know, that's a really good point about the the dime defense run because you know it, it doesn't. It, it's not only on third down and ten that he runs the dime defense. He'll run it just in any third down sometimes, even if it's third and three, third and four, depending on the situation. And so, yeah, you do want someone a little more, you know, a little more able to shoot a gap and make a quick play at the line of scrimmage if it is a third and four, right? Uh, you know, more than Ben Neiman was maybe last year. Yeah, I, I agree, though, that it, it's a little surprising to have a, uh, what we thought was a limited linebacker uh, in the top four. Uh, but as you look through the rankings overall, I think it probably makes sense. But remember, this is sort of a continuation of the series that I do throughout the season. It's called Market Movers. Uh, keep an eye out for that. We'll have another edition of that probably coming next week now that we have training camp news. These rankings can shift. Number one never changes <laughs> for some reason, but the the rankings on down the line from two to 53 could shift as the, as the season goes on. As you add players into the mix like Carlos Dunlap, as the rookies start taking off uh, into their roles, as we see who the real number one wide receiver is, you may see some movement there. So, 
Uh, be on the lookout for that. These are but by no means a final ranking, but I think it's a fun look at who could be central to the Chiefs' plans this year. Yeah, no, Market Mover is always a good uh, you know segment to to keep up on. Uh, we'll have I think we'll have one for you next time. We we have Stags and I together for you. But real quick before we get out of here, Stags, I want to get nerdy for you real quick on the read remix. Remix. Read remix. Anyways, with that time's yours. Talking about third down offense. I wrote it last week. Last installment, actually, of the read remix for the summer. Um, and then I'm gonna get into the defense uh starting on this Wednesday. So be excited for that. I think I'll be looking at the different pass rush packages we could expect in 2022 on Wednesday. But for the third down offense, real quick before we get out of here, I just want to say this is the one part of the offense I'm gonna be honest, I think could you know, I think almost definitely be a downgrade uh, in 2022. And it's not really because, you know, I'm not pessimistic about anything. Last year, they were a historic third down offense. They had a 52.2% third down success rate. No other team had a percentage higher than 48% last year. And in fact, no other team has touched 50% pretty much in the last decade plus. I I only went back a decade. But 50% is unheard of for a team in one season. And the Chiefs got to 52.2% last year. And I just think one of their main reasons is because when it went in doubt, you had Tyreek Hill there. He led the team in third down targets and receptions on third down. Um, and he converted nine more first downs than anybody else on the team. He was a huge part of that. And that's where I think there's going to be a big difference this year. That's where I think third down offense could just be a little less efficient this year. Hopefully the third and short offense is a little better, maybe with a run game that could be more impactful. But I think we saw that run game be impactful in those situations last year. So I don't think it may get, uh, incremental, incrementally better than what it was last year in the short yardage. Um, so I think, and, and another thing is, is Kelsey now he can get more easily double teamed on third down because Hill's not there to kind of, you know, when you have Hill and Kelsey, it's kind of hard to say, all right, we're going to take him away on third down because, or, you know, take both of them away on third down because you can't do that. Right. Cause you don't have enough defenders to do that. Now you can take one of them or the other way. It'll just open up other opportunities for other guys, but we all know Mahomes wants to go to Kelsey on third down, and so I think that will cause maybe some some uh, some hiccups, some some growing pains on third down there too. So, all that to say, I just really think this could be the one aspect of the offense that we see kind of you know not be as good and and maybe be a little more frustrating than it was last year. If nothing else, it's a mean reversion, right? It's it, it's one of those things where yeah, exactly. They can obviously still spread the ball around, and they can, and they can do so even more this year. I the reason to be optimistic would be that. That you can't just key on Kelsey because if you got Juju and MVS and and Sky Moore and you know McCole Hardman lining up in the backfield or whatever's going on on third down, you're going to have a lot of options there that maybe will get less attention and maybe be more open uh, than Kelsey and Hill were. But Hill really seemed to be that safety blanket last year in a lot of those situations. Uh, but also, I don't know if he had numbers on Patrick Mahomes running and converting third downs because that seemed like a big part of it as well. Yeah, exactly. Mahomes, I think he's really gotten a lot better at, at, at scrambling, knowing when to scramble, knowing the perfect times to kind of uh, forcing the defense to respect the pass to the last possible second is something I've I've really liked about Mahomes' um, ability to scramble um, lately. I think I remember writing an article. It was after his first year starting. It was going into the or sorry, after the Super Bowl season starting going into his third year. 
I did think there was improvement he could make as a scrambler. I think there was times he decided he was too indecisive about whether he should scramble or not. There was times it was 20 yards of scrambling room and he still decided to make the throw. And there was other times where he started to scramble and there was plenty of room to throw. Right. I think he's gotten a lot better at kind of being decisive about it. And even if he doesn't seem decisive about it, the reason he maybe looks indecisive is because he's trying to make the defense respect the pass until the very last possible second. Then he takes off for the scramble. I think he's gotten very good at kind of, you know, on those third and tens, third and twelves, when the, the defense kind of clears out, the pass rush kind of clears him out of the pocket, looking downfield until the again, until that very last possible second, and then taking off and getting just as many as as many yards as he needs to. Yeah, that, that's an underrated part of his game when you talk about the quarterbacks in the league that are great rushers. He maybe not he is maybe somebody that doesn't get a lot of design rushes. You're not gonna Josh Allen, him right up in the in the A gap, like like those guys do. But uh, but I think Mahomes' ability to to intelligently scramble and not get himself hurt uh, is a big factor, and and I think it's going to continue to be so. So maybe they won't get a lot worse at third downs, but uh, but maybe a maybe a back to the pack a little bit. Yeah, exactly. And and you mentioned Mahomes and or Josh Allen, I say going up the A gap. Uh, you know. It, I'm counting how many training camp fights our quarterback has started compared to, to that <laughs> certain quarterback. And I think, I think uh, Josh Allen's got his beat on that one stags. I think our quarterback has not started as many training camp fights. So uh, is that a good or a bad thing? Is that a good or a bad thing? I did like the response that somebody had on Twitter that said, was that a 13 second fight? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Love it. That, that will never get old. Well, your guys' participation in this podcast will never get old as well. Thank you so much for all the good questions, for hanging out with us, for spending your time and listening uh, to our podcast and all of the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. Please rate and review. Continue to listen. Share the podcast with others. Ask lots of questions. Um, and and stick with us all the way through the training camp. Ron's updates will only get better from here on out uh, because there will be more and more uh, that we can gain. Once you have a bigger sample size, uh, lots of exciting stuff to come from Chiefs football, from the podcast network, from arrowheadpride.com. So thank you again. Uh, Any final words from Ron before we sign off? No, sir. Yo, uh, yeah, I am. I am definitely going to go up to training camp again Saturday. If you're up there, please, you know, uh, either DM me on Twitter. I'd love to, you know, just say hi to people. We'd love to talk to, to anybody up there, talk Chiefs. Um, But yeah, besides that, just keep tuning in. We're going to have great stuff for you coming up. And by the way, I'll be out of town next week. Uh, so Ron will be going yes. to the bench with some some great folks from Arrowhead Pride joining him. Uh, but the following week, we're going to do what was one of my favorite shows last year. Uh, we're going to do our cross-pond crossover show with the great British Chiefs team. Uh, so looking forward to that in a couple of weeks. Uh, so for Ron Cobb Jr., Matt Stagner, thanks again. We'll talk to you next time. Go Chiefs.